Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'll do my best to get through the first five verses. Can't guarantee it. There's a lot of meat here. Uh, John is an amazing study. I pray that you're going to be studying along with me, that you'll be prepared as we come to the Lord's house each Sunday morning. Uh, allow me to read these five verses. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, open our hearts to these truths, and Lord, help us to understand just how vitally important they are to who we are in Christ. Lord, that he is God, that he is creator, he is life, he is the light of men. Lord, help us to understand these truths and to take them to heart and live them out in our daily lives, knowing that we belong to you in a unique and special way. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to to commit ourselves to the reading, study, and meditating on your word so that it becomes more alive in our lives. Lord, guide us in our study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I share, the book of John is an amazing study. Uh, if you look at John's total vocabulary, uh, there's only like 700 words, I think, something like that. Many say that it's actually written on like a seven-year-old level. But basically, the way that John puts these words together is nothing more than miraculous. Truly inspired by God. Uh, one Christian scholar said it's like a pool that a child can wade in and an elephant can drown in at the same time. It's, it's easy to just read the words, but some of the, the meanings behind it are so deep. And these first few verses are about as deep as you can get. So I shared last week, uh, the first verse I could probably preach a month on. I'll, I'll spare you all that. I'll try to keep moving. But just think about this one verse. In the beginning was the Word. There's a whole sermon right there. And the Word was with God. That's another whole sermon. And the Word was God. That's another whole sermon. And then verse 2 kind of summarizes it. He was in the beginning with God. Folks, those sound like just simple words, but there's so much deep theology behind each one of them. And this passage of Scripture has been attacked by so many sects or different organizations trying to tear them apart trying to make them sound as if they were something that were not meant. But John is a master at using the vocabulary in the correct order where if you actually study the grammar, there's no way that you can understand it but what it means. And we have a very sure translation of that right here. Now we look and we see that, again, many have tried to put their own meanings behind it. Let me just share a couple of them. Uh, the Mormons rewrite the first couple of verses like this. 
In the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son, and the gospel was the Word, and the Word was with the Son, and the Son was with God, and the Son was of God. That's not what this says in the original. That's a, that is a paraphrase and making it sound like whatever you want it to sound like. Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses really only change, not even change, they add a word. They assume that there must be an article before a, a noun. And so they say that the word was God. They don't say that. They say the word was a God. Because they believe that they can become a God. And so Jesus was not the God. He was a God. Folks, I can go into all the Greek and grammar and things of that. There's not supposed to be an article there. It's just the word was God. So hang with me. There's a lot to study in this passage of Scripture. But what we're going to see as we study this is that Jesus is eternal. He has always been, always will be, preexistent from all creation. He is the power and the source of all creation. He is self-existent, and he is the light and the life of man. So let's begin with those first two verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That word beginning, it simply means the beginning of the universe. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the same beginning that we're talking about here in John 1, 1. It is the beginning of all creation. Now, folks... That means that there is a beginning of time. There's a beginning of creation. But God, in all his persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, preexisted. They already were there when time began, when our universe was created. Now, let me be honest. Our little finite minds cannot fully comprehend this, that there is a timelessness that existed and I guess in God's mind, still exist. If you, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and look at verses 3 and 5, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. That's the beginning of time. Time began to exist then. Time did not exist prior to then. I can't understand that. I cannot comprehend that. But eternity is not based on time. Everybody's just looking real blank like, well, okay, if you say so. I don't say so. The Bible says so. And we just have to accept that for a fact. And so we look and we, we try to understand the timelessness of, of God. But basically what this is saying is that in the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus. If you look at... Uh, uh, the rest of this chapter, it talks about him. And if you go all the way down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus coming in his incarnation. And we understand that Jesus is the word that is being spoken of here. But even another word, was, the word was, is an imperfect tense. And it describes continual action in the past. In other words, this was always happening prior to creation. Jesus always was prior to creation. Continuous action always was prior to, con, uh, 
to uh, creation. There again, we're only, what, just a few words into this, and we're, we're dissecting the- theological statements that just blow our mind. That simple words like the beginning was puts Jesus prior to the creation. And then we look and continue to see that he was not part of creation. See, many want to say that, that God created Jesus and then Jesus created creation. No. You've got to look at verse 3 and it says, All things that were created were created through him. Well, he didn't create himself, did he? Well, all things that created were through him, so he had to be prior to creation. And the only thing prior to creation is the creator, God. If Jesus created, then he is God. So we look at this. And now, I'm looking across the congregation. I know y'all know the Lord. I know that y'all know who he is. But these are facts that we just need to, to refresh our minds and our understanding of why we believe what we believe. And so we look and we see that the creator already was, always has been, always will be. Now, I, I've shared this illustration many times. God, Jesus, is creator. He created everything. And timelessness is in his hand. He has already seen his entirety of creation. Now, our little finite minds cannot phantom that. We know that he was there at creation because he spoke into being. We know he's here with us right now. The hardest thing that we have to understand is that he has already seen the end. How do we know that? You want to read the book of Revelation? He describes the end as if it has already happened. And in God's mind, it already has because he's already seen it happen. That's how he can describe it in such detail. He has already seen it. We're like a person in uh, along a parade route. We're sitting on the curb. We see what's in front of us. We can't see the beginning of the parade. We can't see the end of the parade. We can only see what's in front of us. But God sees the beginning, the middle, and the end all at the same time. Doesn't that just blow your mind away? He has seen creation. He sees us right this very second. And he has seen the end. And he sees it all at the same time. That's the power of God. That's the eternal nature of God, the timelessness of God. And so we look and we see that time is only something that God created is part of his creation. So we look at the evidence that Jesus was preexistent. He was in the beginning. He always has been. He was there before creation. And then it says, and the word was with God. Another simple word, with. Well, the word with in this verse actually describes a picture of two persons being together face to face in the intimate communication. That's God the Father and God the Son together. Notice that it's face to face, not a superior looking down upon the other or an inferior looking up at the other. Face to face equals. God the Father, God the Son are equal in existence. Now, the Trinity has always been something that we, we try to simplify by using an illustration of an egg or something else. Folks, it's, 
It can't be that simple. It's not that simple. The Trinity is God in three persons. We recognize them as God the Father, who is never seen physically. He is over all. Then we see God the Son. He is creator. And he comes in human form, in the likeness of man, and dwells on the earth. Then we see God the Holy Spirit. And we see him from the beginning. If you go back to the beginning, it says, in the Spirit uh, hovered over the waters. He was there in the beginning as well. We know that as a child of God, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We know that the Holy Spirit is an active force in, in the world, in our lives. We see the three entities, how they work together. They always agree with themselves, yet we see them in unique, different persons of God. Folks, our minds just get blown away more and more when we think about it. We just have to simply accept these truths How in the world could God the Son, who is God, become man? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8, try to give us an example of how this happened. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Word was with God. Intimate, face-to-face, personal relationship. God the Son, God the Father, equal. Intimate relationship. So he has always been, he's always been with the Father. The Trinity has always been together. Then, icing on the cake, the word was God. Absolutely no extra words there, not a God. He was God, deity, God. Jesus is, was, always will be God. Now, it's hard for us to see that when we imagine Jesus in his earthly form. We know that God is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent, all-present. Could Jesus be everywhere at the same time in his earthly form? No. He put on the limits of humanity during that time. But otherwise, he can be anywhere just like God, because he is God. So we look and we see that the word was God. There is no other way needed to clarify this. We don't need to to try to examine the the Greek text because it is very simple. The Word was God. Simple. The Word was deity. And He still is and always will be. So, the Word Jesus has always been existent and we need to understand that every time that we see the Word Word in this passage it's talking about Jesus. Let's just repeat it. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. Does that make it any clearer? Because that's who it is. That is Jesus. Then we move to verse 3, and we see that Jesus is the source. He is the power of creation. All things came into being through him, 
and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Folks, what has come into being? Everything of a physical nature. Everything that was created in Genesis 1 is what has been created. And that began the process of creation. And creation has continued ever since. We, we struggle with the fact that, for me, almost 60 years ago, that I came into being. But in God's eyes, I always was. That blows my mind. That from Genesis 1-1, the seeds of creation already had me there. It just took a few thousand years for it to happen. But we look and we see that Jesus spoke the words into being. See, when we see the word, word here, we're talking about Jesus, and it's the spoken word of creation. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, we see the power of Jesus in creation. When it says that God said, let there be, and there was, that is the act of creation. Well, according to John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, all things came into being through him, Jesus. So every time that you see in Genesis 1, 1, God said, that is Logos, Jesus, the power of and source of creation. When God said, let there be, that is Jesus, the power of creation in action. Pretty deep, isn't it? Folks, that's what these verses give us, a foundation of truth that cannot be denied, that we as children of God must accept, even if we cannot fully comprehend them and understand them. So we look that Jesus is the power of creation. Uh, verse verse 2 and verse 3, every time you see the word he or him, just put the word Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Jesus. Apart from Jesus, nothing came into being that has come into being. So Jesus is the power, the source of all creation. So we look and we see uh, it, even the verb describing Jesus and creation are different. The verb that describes Jesus is I me. It, it means to be. It actually means a state, state of existence. And the word that describes uh, creation is uh, genomai, and it really means came into being. So one always was a state of being. The other one is came into being. Jesus is I me, always was. Uh, creation is genomai, which came into being. Totally different verbs describing the two different types of of creation. Well, one's not created and the other is created. We even go uh, beyond that and we see so many different ways that, that God is working in these things. Uh, we see that the Creator proves that He is deity because we see Him all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. He is God. He is God portrayed as Creator through the Bible. Uh, Jesus is the source. He's the power of all creation. He, the Word, Logos, is God saying. Let it be. When we look at the verses 4 and 5, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is life. Now, did you know there's two different words for life in the Bible? One of them is bio. Guess what that stands for? Created life. Physical life. 
Something that has life and breath is bio. Uh, Susan and I get tickled when we hear the word biomatter. We used to have a, a man that lived next door to, to us, and he was a, a plant biologist or something like that. I can't remember his title, but uh, after one of the really huge windstorms, everybody had limbs everywhere, and everybody had just piles of branches on the edges of their yard waiting for the service to come along and pick them up. And he came over one day, he says, that's quite a bit of biomatter, isn't it? And it, it, that's, a, that's what it is, is living, breathing, created things that are made by the creator. Well, that's what creation is called. We are called bio because we are matter that lives. Guess what Jesus is called when it says life here? He's called Zoe, which means spiritual life, eternal life. It is not the same as bio, which is created. How long are we going to live? Physically, so many years. Spiritually, for eternity. Jesus is the life of eternity. He is eternal life. He is the source of spiritual life. And so when we look, and it says that in him was life. And that life is not creation, even though we already saw that in verse 3. This life is spiritual. And that's what each and every created human being needs, is Zoe. We need spiritual life. We need eternal life. Now, you say, well, you know, we, have, we all have eternity, but there's a difference between eternal life and eternal death. See, if we reject the giver of life, Jesus, then we don't have eternal life. We have eternal death. That's what the Bible says when it says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it says, and the wages or the penalty of sin is death. That is eternal separation from God. That's eternal death. But God wants to give us the gift of eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And so we look and we see that that source, Jesus, is the source of eternal life. Zoe, spiritual, eternal life. And so we look and we continue to see that without Jesus, there is no life. Bio, because there would be no creation. Without Jesus, there would be no Zoe, eternal, spiritual life. He is the only source of eternal life. So God created the heavens and earth, bio, that's Jesus in his form of creation. Jesus is the life, Zoe, the source of eternal spiritual life. And he is the only source. Y'all remember that discourse that he had with Thomas? He was telling his disciples that I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come in and receive you to myself. And there you may be also, and you know the way. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's what he's talking about right here. He is the only way of salvation. He is the only way of eternal life. The only way. There are no other ways. He says, I'm the only way to God. No man comes to God but through me. So we look and we see that he is life. And did you know that our world today is doing its very best to try to 
make us believe that we were not created. They want us to believe that we happen by accident out of absolutely nothing. Y'all look at me like, how can that happen? Well, that's what they're trying to make us believe is that we happen exactly like we are out of nothing. Nothing became us. That's exactly what they're trying to make us believe. Why are they trying to make us believe that? Because if they can make us believe that we were not created, then there would not be a creator. If there's no creator, there's no one to answer to. So if they can make us believe that we just happen to be like we are, that all these billions of molecules and atoms that make up our body that have to be in perfect synchronization with each other, hold ourselves together so that we can breathe, so that we can talk, so that we can eat, that we have exactly the the right amount of mixture of gases in our atmosphere so that we can breathe, so that we have just the right amount of moisture in our air, that the world that we live on tilts to the exact angle that as it spirals around the sun that we don't either burn up or freeze. That all just happened out of nothing. Folks, if you cannot believe that there is a divine creator, you just don't want to believe that you were created and that there's a higher power that you have to answer to. That's what our world is trying to teach our students in in school. That is what the world is trying to teach us through the media is that there is no creator, that there was just a big bang that, that happened out of nothing and we evolved over billions and billions and billions of years into this. Folks, good luck trying to prove that. The Bible's very simple. God created. Jesus, the Word, created. He is life, not only the, the voice of physical creation, but He is the life of spiritual life, eternal life. So we look and we continue to see that not only is He the source of life, but he is also the light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you go back to the verse 1, it says, and the word was with God, or the word was God. It's the same phrase as here. It's saying that, and the life was the light of men. Life and light are the same. They coexist. They cannot be separated. They're part of the same. So we look that Jesus is the life, and he is the light of men. Well, why is there two different words there? Well, Jesus is the source. He is the life. But the light is what penetrates us. It is the active force that takes place as it comes and infects us. See, Jesus is the life. He is holiness, or he is true, and he is holy. The life is the truth and holiness that affects us. That makes any sense to you. We look and we see that the life is the light. And the light is what penetrates us. It is the gospel. It is what transforms our lives from from a simple bio-creation into Zoe life. Spiritual life. It is the light that comes from Jesus. The light might as well just be called the gospel. It is Jesus. It is his life affecting us 
in a personal and unique way, transforming us to become a child of God. Now, in verse 5, we see something that almost sounds like, like we got an excuse. And the light shines of the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, we know that light shines in darkness, and what happens to the darkness when the light shines in it? The darkness disappears, right? If you go into a dark room and you flip that little electric switch, it's called a light switch, and light comes on, what happens to the darkness? It's gone. You can even bring in the dimmest candle into a dark room and it at least radiates out. And you can see the darkness does not engulf the candle. The candle pushes away the darkness. Well, the darkness and the light cannot coexist. But according to this, it says, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That almost sounds like, well, we got an excuse. We don't have eternal life. We don't have salvation because we just didn't quite understand it. We didn't comprehend what we're talking about here. That's just too deep for us to understand. Well, more than likely in your Bibles, the word comprehend probably has a little letter or something beside it. And if you look in your margins or in your footnotes, it will probably say overcome. That is more of a realistic word that should have been here. So let's replace that. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Put it that way. The darkness has tried to overcome Jesus forever. Before he came and began his earthly ministry. Satan has always been trying to, to rid Jesus from mankind. Did you know he began way back in time of Israel? He tried to destroy Israel time and time and time again. Why did he try to destroy Israel? Because he knew what the scripture said. He knew that the Messiah, Jesus, would come out of Israel. If there's no Israel, there would be no Messiah. Well, let's move forward to the time that Jesus was born. Do you remember what he did? When the Magi came to Herod and said, Where's this king of the Jews? Herod became irate, and he sent out a decree for all the children of a certain age to be killed, assuming that Jesus, this king of the Jews, would be included in that. So Satan, through his deception, tried to have Jesus killed when he was born. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he went out into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then Satan tempted him, gave him every opportunity to bypass the cross. He said, if you'll just bow down before me, I will go ahead and give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's what you want anyway. That's what you're going to get in the end. You're going to be the king of all creation. Well, you're not there yet. I can give it to you right now, right this second. All you've got to do is bow down before me. If Satan could have gotten Jesus to have bowed before him, he would not have been Savior. He would not have been Messiah. He's still trying to eliminate Jesus now any form, any fashion that Satan can eliminate Jesus from our lives today, from 
others being able to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He's going to do it. By intimidation, he's trying to make us fear that if we say anything about Jesus, anything about the gospel, even our own personal testimony, that that's illegal, that that is immoral, that that is unethical, that we are being uh, irresponsible with the way that we treat other people, that we're being... I mean, we're just, we're just terrible people if we do that. Isn't that what you're hearing today? That's a message from Satan. He is trying to snuff out the light. Did you know he thought that he had victory one time? Do you remember Jesus? He was arrested. They beat him. They scourged him. They plucked out his beard. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Then they put him on a cross, nailed him to the cross, his hands and his feet. And then when it was over, they thrust a, a spear into his side to make sure that he was good and dead. Satan finally thought he had snuffed out the light. But the light kept shining. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead to prove that he had power over Satan. Satan had not won the victory. He thought he had for... Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday morning, but Jesus arose. The light still shines. Jesus is the life. He is the source of eternal life, and he is the light that continues to shine. Now, what about us? What about you and I as a child of God? We're not the light, but we're children of the light. And the Bible talks about us kind of reflecting the light, that through us, the light that is within is supposed to shine outward. It talks about us being like a city on a hill where the light's supposed to shine outward. We're not supposed to cover a candle with a, with a bushel basket. We're supposed to let it shine. Well, we have light in us. It is from the source of life, Jesus. He has given us life. And that life is the light of men. That light of men is in us and is supposed to shine outward from us. That is the commandment that God has given us throughout the word of God. Go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Ghost, and I will be with you always, even to the ends of the world. Go ye into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, into the furthermost parts of the earth. That's the light that's supposed to be shining in the world today. Yet we are terrified because Satan is trying to snuff out the light like he always has and always will. And until we realize that the light is in us and that we are God's only way of the light shining out into the darkness of this world, we'll continue to fail God in his purpose for us being here today. We look at this simple passage. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Jesus is the life, eternal, spiritual. He gives us the light that gives us salvation, eternal life through his gospel. The light, the gospel, shines in the darkness. The darkness did not overcome it, and it cannot. The power of Christ is always more powerful than the power of Satan. And we need to believe that. We need to understand that. 
because we have the power of Christ in us. It's called the gospel. It's called the light. It's called his Holy Spirit. Every part of God is in us, and we have the power to present the light, to present the gospel to any and everyone around us, and we cannot save a single person, but as the light shines from us, then it penetrates the darkness of a heart that's lost, a heart that is going to hell, a heart that is going to die in its sins, and only then, as they hear the gospel, and as the Holy Spirit works in their lives, can they receive the light, and it can penetrate their darkness and overcome the darkness, because the darkness cannot overcome the light, and they can be transformed as well. They, too, can receive the light through the life of Christ. Folks, that's five simple verses. You can read it in a matter of seconds. But if you haven't really studied it, if you haven't really thought about what does this mean to me, well, you need to spend the rest of this week going back over that and then beginning in verse 6 and moving forward because that's where we'll pick up next week. But right now, we need to understand these simple things. The Word was God. Jesus is deity. He is God. No doubt about it. He's not a God. He's not someone who worked hard being good enough and became a God like so many are trying to convince us. He is God. He was God. He always has been God and always will be God. We need to understand that. We need to just trust that. He is the power of creation. He spoke creation into being. In Genesis 1-1 where it says, And God said, Let there be. That is Jesus in action as creator. Logos. The word. The spoken word of creation. Not only that, but he is life. He is the only source of eternal spiritual life. And he is the light of men. Through him we have the gospel, the message of salvation. And that light has been shining forth from the moment that he was resurrected. The power of salvation has been in action for over 2,000 years. And we need to continue it. We need to say, Lord, here I am. I'm simply a vessel, but I have your light in me. And I want your light to shine through me so that others can be affected by that light, so that it can and will overcome darkness, because darkness cannot overcome it. And any time that Satan tries to overcome the light that's within me by, by making me feel that I'm, I'm not being respectful of others, if I ever talk about Jesus in their presence, you be my strength to be the, the voice, to be the, the words of the gospel, to share the truth. Whether they accept it or not, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, but I have no control over that. My only act of obedience is saying, Lord, you've given me the opportunity to, to be a voice of the light, to share the gospel. When people hear it, it is between them and you as to whether they accept it. If they reject it, then they will die in the darkness of their sins. If they accept it, I'm sorry, if they reject it, they will die in the darkness of their sins. If they accept it, they will enter into the light and receive eternal salvation. A lot to deal with in five verses, isn't it? Can you understand how, 
how simple it sounds when you read it. Child wading in a pool. When we start diving down deep into it, an elephant could drown in it. That's how deep the theology of John is. I will do my best not to get so deep that, it, that you get lost or get bogged down. These first five verses, you just can't, you just can't cover up them. You have to dig deep. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, your word is true. Lord, there's nothing that we can do but to accept it as truth, as your children. Lord, we also realize that there's much darkness in the world around us. But Lord, according to your word, the darkness cannot overcome the light. Lord, we have the light. We have the light that comes through the life as Jesus. Lord, that light cannot be overcome. Lord, as we share the light that you've given us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the message of salvation, Lord, it cannot be snuffed out. Lord, the only way that it dims is when we dim it, when we refuse to share it, refuse it to allow it to shine through our lives. Lord, help us to be found faithful, to, to let your light shine through us so that mankind around us can see the light and understand that there is a gift of salvation that comes only through your Son, Jesus. Lord, through that message of salvation, through the work of your Holy Spirit, we pray that men, women, boys, and girls will hear the gospel and be transformed by it into eternal life. Lord, that's the power of your light. Help us, Lord, to reflect that light to a dark and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.